We've got Brian Haney here now, voice of the Jayhawks. Brian, welcome in. Uh, where to begin? You've got all the announcements that came on Friday. You've got the first loss of the season. But I think just for topical purposes, you have some uh, interesting things happening with the reporting on the Jalen Daniels injury yesterday. Um, what have you heard? And we know he's doubtful, but you know a story that was a bit of a roller coaster ride yesterday. Uh, looks like Jalen Daniels doesn't think he's out for the season. What What do you know? Well, what do I know? And what can I say? I, I probably better stay away from this one and let Coach address it in greater detail. I was certainly surprised to see the back and forth last night. Um, that that took me by surprise. Both the fact that uh, you know there was such a strong, uh, strongly written story for the Lawrence Journal World with definitive conclusions drawn, having you know thought on the inside that the prevailing sentiment was they were going to take this week to week and, and hope that he could you know come back sooner. Uh, so I you know I'm going to go off what Coach Leipold is saying and uh, you know wait to see what what this looks like one week to the next. I know for Jalen's sake he's an amazing young man that's going to do everything he can to try to help this team whether that's throwing the football or coaching up the next guy and and yet, to see the back and forth last night on, on social media, even my dog's upset about it, if you can't tell, uh, <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that was certainly surprising um, because, yeah, you've definitely got some, some conflicting reports out there. So we'll just have to take it, I would say, week to week. Uh, I know they're taking it day by day inside the facility over there to see how he's feeling and everything. But, um, you know, this is definitely an injury that you don't bounce back immediately from. So, Curious to see what it's going to look like, but I'm going to defer to the head coach and what he has to say and, and trust his judgment and how he wants to shape this, this narrative going forward. Well, Brian, one thing that coach said uh, in the press conference yesterday is that uh, at, at best, Jalen Daniels is doubtful for the Oklahoma game. So it looks like it continues to be Jason Bean's team. And um, we, we talked about this before, about how the – the the drop off between Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean is not significant. And it's not like we haven't seen that from a Kansas team in a long time where I think it would be really easy for the fan base and even the roster uh, at halftime of the TCU game to think, wow, we're without Jalen Daniels. Uh, we're done. We're, we're out of it. And all Jason Bean did in the second half was go out and throw for four touchdowns uh, and 262 yards. So assuming that Jason Bean continues to lead this team at least next week and maybe beyond, what do you see as far as the future prospects for this offense? Great question. And, and I think the only amendment I would make to how you phrased it was, and this is my opinion, so everybody's entitled to theirs. I, I think the drop-off between Jalen Daniels every day and Jason Bean on his best day is not significant. The key is getting him in the optimal version as often as possible. And we saw the optimal version on on Saturday in that second half. And that was so exciting to see because, yeah, that version of Jason Bean was better than what Jalen Daniels had given us the last four quarters going back to the second half versus Iowa State. But we saw an entire month, you know, of, of Jalen Daniels at his very, very peak when he was a top six Heisman Trophy candidate. There is a substantial drop-off between that version of Jalen and then the, the everyday version of Jason. But if Jason can be as, as dialed in as he was in that second half, uh, then clearly not a lot has to change with the Kansas offense 
in terms of the play calling and what they set out to do because they have some similar attributes as dual threat quarterbacks that can beat you with their feet or their arms. The, the thing that I think concerns me and, and I'm sure, you know, some of his coaches about Jason is as amazing as he looked on those two touchdown throws in the, in the back of the end zone, right on the money, all that. You also had an example of, of a couple of airmail passes on shorter throws where it seems like about once a half, there's just one that kind of gets away from him in, in, you know, a, a untimely spot, a bad situation. In this case, a 26 yard line interception deep in your own territory. You got to find a way to avoid those types of missteps. If you're Jason Bean, uh, because while we don't expect every throw to be perfect, you can't have your own throws putting the defense in a bad spot because you just turned it over. And that's not to say that Jalen Daniels was immune to those, but, but I think Jalen, you know, is a little more consistent um, in, in avoiding some of those really bad throws to get you beat. So that's going to be something to watch. But, hey, Jason Bean is the fastest quarterback we've had since Nolan Cromwell. Jason Bean, if he can get to the edge and get his shoulder squared up, is gone. The difference between the two in running the football is Jalen is much better running in traffic in, in wiggling and, and, and ducking and darting to get that extra seam to burst through or fight for that extra yard at the pylon. I recognize he just had a fumble on the goal line uh, where he was fighting for the extra yards. That hurts my, my case a little bit. But Jason Bean is not thought of as, as tough of a rusher uh, in, in fighting for the short yardage in traffic as Jalen is. Jason is more of a sprinter run by you as opposed to juking around you like Jalen was. So those are the subtle differences between the two. And then the major difference where you're really losing something is Jalen has a one in a hundred type charismatic personality that, that just is infectious and contagious and he pulls everybody in and Jason is a little more naturally introverted. And so he's going to have to come out of his shell a little bit. And he certainly could do that. I mean, keep in mind, he started nine games a year ago for us and did some really nice things. But in our biggest moments in the Lance Leipold era, it's been with Jalen out there. And Jalen's ability to make something out of nothing, his improvisation, his, his you know, pocket collapsing, I'm still going to go get mine and make a play type ability is also pretty difficult to replace. So those are the differences. And, and I think you're right to say there's not a huge drop off, but the, the optimal version of, of Jalen, which we saw in September versus, you know, the everyday version of Jason, there is a drop off. So how do we tap into the very best of Jason being on a regular basis and limit some of those throws that seem to come about once a half where you're just like, Whoa, where did that come from? That's what it's going to take you know, for Kansas to get Jason Bean at its best. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, of the six remaining chances to get one win to get a bowl game, as much as I fully expect Oklahoma to play with their hair on fire and they're getting Dylan Gabriel back, their quarterback, this is going to be a really tough test. But this is a defense that's been in disarray in, in recent weeks. And if, if Kansas can get a comparable effort to what we saw in the second half out of Jason Bean, they can put some points on these Sooners now. And can the defense of Kansas do enough to, to keep the Sooners at bay? We'll see. But of our remaining six chances, uh, this one is daunting based on how motivated they'll be. But based on their defense and where they're at right now, this is a golden opportunity for Kansas. Let's see if the Jayhawks can take advantage.
Yeah, you took the words out of our mouth how wild that is to even consider that a road game in Norman is that best chance. I wonder, <laughs> Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, how is there any benefit to this? And, and maybe it's too late to even think about this. I see what Kansas State has done with Adrian Martinez. And when we talk about the straight line speed of Jason Bean uh, that you so eloquently described, KU needs to run the ball, I think, better than they have been in the last couple of games. And not having Henshaw will hurt. But I wonder if there is some copycat possibility into the way right now that K-State's using Martinez in a read option uh, sort of playbook a little bit where Bean can make that call and if there's a whole takeoff. I, I don't know if that maybe he can utilize that same skill set just because we've seen it so fresh, if that's maybe a wrinkle KU could unroll against Oklahoma. Yeah, I think it really could be. And, you know, you, you want to do that uh, and, and accentuate the biggest strengths of your quarterback. You also want to be, be mindful that if you lose this quarterback, well, then you're dealing with a true freshman, Ethan Vasco. And so I, I think you're on it that they're going to sprinkle in some of that. But I don't think they can lean too heavily on that. Because what the other elephant in the room is, Jason's, pardon the terrible pun, but he's kind of a string bean. Uh, he's, he's a guy that, that if, if he got knocked really hard, rocked by one of these OU linebacks or somebody else, you know, you'd be worried about your, your QB depth chart down to QB3 at that point. So they'll definitely run him. Don't get me wrong. But I think a lot of his runs may be on QB draws or if nothing uh, was opening up downfield, but he had 10 or 15 yards in front of him to take off, go get it and get down and slide because suddenly his health becomes as important as, as important as anybody's on campus right now. So that, that is something to be mindful of in the back of your mind as well. Brian, uh, one thing I noticed in the, in the TCU game on Saturday was defensively for the Jayhawks. They had a tough time containing Max Duggan, and I, I mentioned it on the show earlier this week that I think Duggan doesn't get the credit he deserves as being one of the top quarterbacks in the Big 12. And it wasn't just you know with his arm. He was able to, to run the ball pretty well, too. Uh, as you look ahead to Oklahoma, Brent Venables expects Dylan Gabriel to return this week. Uh, and he's been, you know, kind of, I guess, off and on, kind of dynamic here and there for the Sooners. But what do you expect, and, and what do the de- what does the defense for Kansas have to do to limit Dylan Gabriel? Well, he's a very crafty, very uh, versatile, dual-threat type guy, not unlike what we were just describing with Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean, and had a chance to watch some of his tape at his previous stop before he transferred and was super impressed with this young man at UCF. And so... Definitely, uh, you know, very mindful of, of what that can mean for us and our ability to, to try to, whether they try to put a spy on him or whatever they do to contain him and not allow him to, to you know, run wild back there, running around, you know, expanding the pocket, making deep throws downfield. I think last week, Kansas, at different stretches of that game, was nicked up at a couple of key positions defensively. I don't think either of those will carry over into this week necessarily. But uh, it definitely was, was taken advantage of by TCU. And you know, I'm curious to, to hear from Brian Borland today um, on, you know, the game plan this week. He'll be addressing the media around 1130 this morning because last week, you know, they, they chose not to double Quentin Johnston. Uh, one, of the, one of the few instances in which he hasn't been doubled this season, a preseason All-American. And obviously 
he feasted with, with more catches in one day than he had all season combined. And so I'll be curious to see because some of that had to do with some of the injuries they were having in the secondary, uh, Melo Dotson in particular. But uh, other others instances of that was just TCU finding a way to get him the ball um, in, in space, one-on-one, and then watching him work his wonders there. Hawks will have to be very careful because, hey, this is still Oklahoma. They may not have all the firepower they've had in some years, but they're still pulling four and five stars you know, off, off the shelves to, to go out there and, and you know, make ends meet. So fully expect to see a much more Oklahoma-like effort offensively now with Gabriel back. And, and even for the guys that did play last week, we got shut out by Texas. I mean, all the motivation in the world uh, to go out there and, and, and play the game of their lives, not because it's Kansas and it's a ranked team, but because they're getting dog cussed by everybody down there in the red dirt state about how bad these last three weeks have been. And so I expect Oklahoma to come out and, and throw everything at Kansas. But honestly, I kind of expect Andy Kotelnicki, the Kansas offensive coordinator, to throw everything but the kitchen sink at Oklahoma. I think they realize what an opportunity this is, and you'd like to knock out that last win for bowl eligibility right away because the longer you go without winning it, the more and more pressure mounts as you get into November and all that. As we said, this is kind of a golden opportunity versus their defense. So it has the makings for a shootout. And uh, that's where, you know, limiting a Jason Bean interception here or there or a key fumble by any Jayhawk, which has happened at some really bad times for Kansas this year, the fumbling that is, um, and, and fourth quarter penalties, you know, something that they've had more of already this season than all of last year, limiting some of those self-inflicted wounds in what could be a one-possession shootout type game is going to be of paramount importance. Brian, before we let you go, uh, you're so connected to the university. Friday's announcement, you know, before the TCU game, the excitement about the changes coming on campus, the facilities upgrade that, you know, fans have been clamoring for looks like they're coming. Um, Cliff's Notes version, how excited are you for these changes and how big is it for the university? Well, it's absolutely huge, and you know we'll get more details in the weeks to come on specifics. It, it's kind of a overarching, big picture type transformation. That was the term they used last week uh, that included a lot of things that are going to go at that 11th the Mississippi intersection, a lot of things that are going to make the stadium a new north entrance or entry point to the entire campus. And that's exciting to think about uh, what that could look like but most importantly, you know, you want to see those football facilities updated. You want to see the fan amenities updated and, and have not just all the bells and whistles and frills around the stadium area, which generate revenue uh, with new businesses coming in and that kind of thing, but especially have upgrades to the stuff that's going to help Lance Leipold continue to recruit and sell this program. And so I think that announcement coupled with hopefully – you know, a contract extension and, and raise for Lance in the not too distant future, something that Kansas knows they have to be very competitive with, with all of the potential suitors that might be out there by season's end. I think, I think those two announcements, once they're official and we have more details on the transformation of, of that project, at the football stadium, I, I think is going to give a Kansas fan base that's rejuvenated now and, and love and having football back again. It's going to give them a sense of security that we've got our guy, we've got our guys, plural, with an AD that's, that's very forward thinking and, and taking these progressive active steps to getting things fixed. And, and we can settle in a little bit because I know with every passing win in September, because you guys kept asking me about it, Kansas fans were probably 
super anxious about their coach, and they still are. Uh, but, you know, investments in the facilities like we saw on Friday announced and, and future investments in Lance and his staff and that kind of thing are going to be what hopefully provides some stability and some confidence and some at ease, gentlemen and women, because, uh, hey, we're, we're going to get this thing not only fixed and upright and rolling, but hopefully locked and loaded for a while to where you're not having to look over the neighbor's fence and worry about Lance or whoever. Uh, getting pilfered away. It'll be the type of program that with those types of facilities and that type of coaching stability, uh, while the portal could hit you any year, you know, even the players are going to want to stick and stay and be a part of that. And so I think the first step is building this thing up to where you're competing and, and you got a chance at, at postseason every year, and clearly they're on a path toward that now. The second step is putting in the necessary infrastructure to keeping it rolling and and not have this be a one-hit wonder type thing. And that's what Travis Goff and his team are working tirelessly on. And I told you when you first started asking the questions a few weeks ago how confident I am in him and his leadership and how aggressive he'll be, whether it's the stadium, whether it's Lance, whether it's Lance's staff, that that's what I think of Travis. And, and that remains to be seen, you know, what that's going to ultimately look like. But my point is um, – you know, the duck may be floating on the surface of the water and just gliding along super, super smooth right now. I promise you, underneath that surface of those still calm waters, the legs are paddling furiously with how hard this athletic department is working to capitalize on this great start, all the exposure we got with ESPN College Game Day, and, and make sure this is a catapulting launch pad, not a high water mark, because those are obviously two very different things. All right, Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Certainly exciting times in Lawrence. It'll be a whole lot more exciting if they can get a win in Norman and lock up that bowl game. Kickoff at 11, pregame right here, and coverage of the game on KFH. Brian, we, of course, always appreciate these visits. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate uh, the Mattress Hub. I've been able to sleep in my own mattress, which is a purple brand mattress that I got from the Mattress Hub this past summer. I've slept in it three straight weeks. And, and uh, you know, three straight home games is awesome. This Friday night, I won't get to sleep in my Mattress Hub mattress, but I'll be somewhere outside of Wichita because I'm doing late night in the fog. And then at 10 o'clock, beginning the drive to Norman, I'm going to get as far as your neck of the woods. And while I'm sure I can find a Mattress Hub mattress, they probably won't, as much as they, they love me and our relationship, they probably won't open the doors at 1 a.m. to let me in to sleep on one of their models. But that's how much I love sleeping in my own bed ever since I got a brand-new purple mattress. Check them out today at mattresshub.com. Best customer service and selection, competitive prices you'll find. And they're Wichita, locally owned and operated. Hey, you guys have a great week, and uh, we'll look forward to talking a little bit of hoops and football next week on the show.